and welcome into Poke the Bear episode 52, the Sean Corrali episode. The, it was, it was, it was real, Sean. It's been a, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, most likely, probably not getting re-signed. Maybe, but probably not. Uh, I'm Evan Marinovsky alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? Evan, doing swell. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Home run derby on, uh, Monday night was incredible. Obviously yes. not hockey, but that was, I wonder if there'd be anything close to that in hockey, a home run derby. I mean, this is the shootout, but that's not as cool. Doesn't but, have the same appeal, no. No, and I think it, it kind of goes back to like nothing's as cool as just mashing hitting, the baseball, hitting, hitting diggers. No, of course not. Like no, nothing is as cool as that. I don't know what it is, but like I saw someone be like, "Oh, we should make the home run derby a little more exciting." It gets repetitive. I was like, "No, I watched all two and a half hours, glued to the television, balls flying out of Coors Field, and and that should be the home run derby spot every year." Balls oh yeah, flying I, out of Coors Field. I, th- I think I saw someone tweet that like they should just do the home run derby at Coors every year. Like it's like the Masters at Augusta. Just have yes. it at one spot there and just do it as like a tradition every year. Of just guys hitting bombs. Just get oh, rid of the get rid of the uh, the thing they they put the, the baseballs in to kind of weigh them down a little bit to deal with the altitude up there. Just for me, some like golf balls. They're just gonna knock like out of the park. There's a few that like almost went out of there. So yeah. Oh my god! And while Juan Soto hit one like right deep right center like third deck like yeah. i mean the ball was getting crushed that kind of goes back to my whole thing of like i would love to uh if i was to get tickets to any event in a year that wasn't like a playoff or a championship i honestly think it would be uh a home run sitting in the outfield for a home run derby like i think that would mm-hmm. be so fun you have to be on your toes the entire time and you know you might get hit with a ball or like that kid who was out in the outfield <laughs> to get no, taken dude. off <laughs> and then they and then they cut to pete alonzo who's up there just jamming at the just plate yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it was uh, perfect but yes i think i would i would love home run derby that's the thing though is like imagine trying to get tickets for that and you come up short and you get like the celebrity game instead you get like you you paid like forty five bucks to see like one Republic play one song and then like Steve Aoki like third base coach like just like completely whiffing on everything out there. You know what? It's probably is still gonna be fun anyway. Regalas are going to the park, but it doesn't have quite the same appeal. Steve Aoki, Pete Alonso, like destroying like children out in the outfield. I'll take the Steve Aoki concert with the Pete, uh, the Pete Alonso Home Run Derby, but I don't want to yes, see Steve Aoki exactly, playing baseball. Yeah. No, no thanks. Um, but anyways, before right before we started recording, we've always said, we've always said we wanted breaking news to happen while we were recording. We want to react to it. And granted, this isn't that. This is we're not quite there yet, but this is as close as we've ever come. News broke about mm, twenty minutes before we started recording out of Minnesota that the Wild will be buying out Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Remember when they were signed in the same offseason? It was like, oh, Minnesota's going to be a wagon now. Um, Anyways, both bought out, uh, most likely to protect guys like Matt Dumba and certain younger players on their team in the expansion draft. We'll get to that in a bit. And you're probably wondering, well, that's in Minnesota. Why does that matter for the Bruins? Well... The Bruins are in need of a top four left shot defenseman. Now, Zach Parise really doesn't do anything for me. Uh, that doesn't help the Bruins much. Ryan Suter, though, is an interesting case. We've said all along this free agent class, now that they've been bought out, they're basically free agents. Uh, but, but this free agent class, when it comes to left shot demon, really is not super impressive. It's Alec Martinez, you got Alexiak, and then McCabe. There's not a lot to it. Suter helps a ton. Now, Suter's 36, so people kind of go, oh, it's 36, that's not great. But but he fits a real need. What do you see? Yeah, no, I agree. I think you look at what 
you know, the things that he checks off in terms of what the Bruins need and how he fits into this Bruins window. Like people are talking about, yeah, he's 36. Um, and there's obviously concern, right? That you don't want to be the team that's holding the contract when his game kind of, you know, bottoms out. But uh, even if he's good for another year or two, uh, that's what the Bruins window is. Like, I don't know if people are worried about signing these guys that, you know, it's one thing to like, be worried about let's say you look at like a top uh, middle six guy and prioritizing like a, a Connor Garland over a Coleman because uh, you worry about how much money they're going to be paying out for the guy but for you look at defenseman and, and Suter and how he fits the bill uh, the Bruins only need a guy for one or two more years to max out this this current contention window and if Suter is the guy that he was you know he's not the guy he was early on in his you know Minnesota days but if he's what he was last year with Minnesota which is Still a top four guy, guy who averages 22, 23 minutes a night. Um, even if maybe his defensive game has slipped a little bit, uh, he's still a very, very good uh, generator of offense from the blue line, which is kind of what the Bruins need, right? We t- we talked multiple times this year, and Bruce Cassidy talked about it, that uh, what this team needs for as you know, talented as playmakers like a Grizzlick or Riley or McAvoy are, they just need a dude who can like, you know, uncork slab shots from the blue line. They need that threat and they didn't really have that this year. So, and that's not just say that that's, you know, Ryan Suter's like a Johnny Boychuk and that's all he really does, but you know, he's still a gifted playmaker, but he adds that threat. That's what, you know, the Bruins kind of need on that blue line. So whether it's you sign him to be a second pairing guy or a third pairing guy, you know, that could work or like, hell, you put him with Charlie McAvoy, you put most guys with Charlie McAvoy, your top pairing is going to be pretty, pretty good. Put him with a guy like Suter who has an established pedigree, who still has good numbers. You're doing pretty well. And you look at, again, the all, you know, the alternative alternatives, um, they don't really, you know, fit in terms of all what you're looking for, for what a guy like Suter has. Like, you know, you could get Suter and let's say you sign an, an Alexiak or a McCabe or, you know, a Hockenpah on the right side to balance out the team. I think that'd be great. Um, but you still need a legit, you know, top four, like maybe even top pairing guy. And for what this window is for the Bruins of one or two years, Galaxy Suter makes plenty of sense. So, uh, you know, I would imagine the Bruins, like most teams will be interested. They've got the cap space for it. Um, and if they get him, that's one, you know, big domino that you're, you're taking care of this offseason. Because if it's not signing Galaxy Suter, who's, you know, a proven top four guy, what's the other option to be trading for Ekholm, which I think we both agree is probably the best option, but the one that's maybe the least likely in the scenario, because you don't know one of Nashville is going to move them until you have to give up assets for them. So if you're in this kind of win now window anyway, would you rather just, you know, spend and get Suter who's not going to be paying the same amount as he did in, in previous years? It's kind of, kind of makes sense, right? Like I, you know, he may not be as good, but, um, yeah, I think that's a. This is a development that helps out the Bruins quite a bit in terms of a guy falling into your lap that um, could really, really help this team in this immediate future of the next year or two. Udo wrote the other day about uh, a wild scenario in which the Bruins would uh, get Adam Pellick from the Islanders, and how basically the, the the moral of the story is they need a guy like Pellick. They need a guy who's a minutes eating, really good shutdown left shot defenseman. Ryan Suter is Pellick, but much older and and obviously not in his prime, maybe not as, as effective, but still minutes eating as you say, all all the things you said, good, you know, just a solid left shot, top four defenseman. And you said, stick him with McAvoy. That could work. Stick him with Carlo. That'd be a great uh, shutdown pairing. Suter six one. Um, So for me, I mean, again, I don't know what he'd be making. It may be around like three, three and a half. 
I mean, maybe I'm lowballing it there. I mean, this just happened. I don't know exactly what he'd be commanding or looking for, but I can't imagine it'd be anything more than four, four and a half. I mean, um, even if it's four and a half, five, like you, you would probably rather, you know, that's as equal to maybe even more preferable than getting Ekholm, who's three seven five for one year before he probably gets a pay raise, and again trading a first rounder plus. DeBrusque or what have you, you know, like not to say that DeBrusque isn't untouchable, but you could also use him for another trade if, if you sign suitors. So it's all about, I think the Bruins going to have to make a trade at some point for something, whether that's a, a, a middle six guy or a defenseman. But if you sign suitor and that takes care of one key cog, like even if your, your top four next year is, you know, not putting them in order, but like McAvoy, Grizzlick, Suter, Carlo, pretty good top four to build off of. And if you're able to then sign another guy like a McCabe or a Hockenpah, you're already looking a lot better, right? So uh, you you look at just how much of a way this fits into what the Bruins are looking for. It's a a big hoop for them if they're in on it and if he's able if they're able to sign him because he is a a low risk I think uh, signing for what this window is because you're not looking five years down the road at at what suit is going to give you. It's all about maxing out the next year or two. I should say it's only a one or two year deal max, maybe three, but he, and he's 36. I feel like this would be a between a one and three year deal. Um, so it's not going to be anything long-term. The other thing is he's never won a cup. He's never won a cup. And I just kind of wonder, you know, who he signs with next. It's probably gonna have a lot to do with competing for a cup. And this is a core that also would like to compete for the Stanley cup for about the same amount of time. Suter probably has left in his career. So I think Suter makes perfect sense. Like the, when it first happened, I was like, damn, that would actually, uh, he would fit in really well here. Um, and again, I'm interested to see how many teams are in on him, uh, what the kind of what the what he's looking for price wise, because he's going to get scooped up. It's not like, you know, the Bruins are going to be alone. Like, I think there's going to be a real market for Suter, uh, which might only drive up the price. Parise, I'm not so sure about. Parise, I could see as like a third line left winger on like a solid team, which. I, mean, I could also see, I could also see like a, I think some, I saw someone else tweet about this, but that Suter, uh, not Suter, Parise could be a guy that like you get for like a rebuilding or a younger team is like the veteran guy to bring into the room, which could make sense too. Like, it's not a but bad has, idea. I don't think his value is as high as Suter by any means, but like he could still be a, a solid, that's like a guy like the Seattle would probably love to pick up, right? Like yes. in terms of like getting a guy to the room adding that guy to the room. So we'll see. I don't, I don't think his ceiling is as high because I think there's a more of a risk for his game to drop off a little bit more, but um, still two guys that do drastically kind of change the, the free agent market. And we could see even more of those as more buyouts get announced, but for the Bruins, like having a guy like Subra all of a sudden be available in a year where you need a top four guy and you've got cap space to, to use it. Seems like it makes a lot of sense. And I'd rather give the money to Suter than Martinez because I think I'm. Yeah. A, I think Suter kind of fits into what you need a little bit more or a lot more than a guy like Martinez. What I think Martinez was kind of just like the best of what was out there. Suter though feels like a good fit. Like again, Suter McAvoy, Suter Carlo, also good for the younger defenseman for a guy like Krizlik and them to look up to. I mean, mm-hmm. Suter has been a gamer in this league for a long time. Yeah. I mean, back. I mean, you remember in his prime with uh, even with Nashville and then with the early days in Minnesota. I mean, geez, like that guy ate minutes for breakfast. So um, definitely a a pretty safe bet that the Bruins are going to be in on Suter. And even safer bet, though, is going to our good friends over at Bet Online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Red Sox playing. Patriots training camp is right around the corner. And soon the Bruins and the Celtics will be back. And even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to BetOnline and enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, I was actually at the grocery store today, and someone went up to me randomly. I was like, you're Connor Ryan? I said, huh? And they said, yeah, I've, I've been hearing rumors that no one beats that. It was, I, it was, I, it was odd. I, I, I agree with them. I've also heard the same rumors, and I, I can confirm that they are true. You can't beat that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I would retire if someone came up to me in the grocery store and said that. I'd be like, you know what? My work is done. I've done yeah. everything I've needed to do. I've peaked in the moment. There it is. It's done. Um, okay. So this, uh, the, the expansion draft is coming up quick. That's what this Saturday or next uh, it's early next week. So, so the, on Saturday, the 17th is the deadline for team to submit the That's list. I remember, and I yeah. think they become public on the 18th. I want to say, so I feel like but, they might and, become and by, public before, but yeah, that might be, <laughs> that might be the case, but regardless by this weekend, we should have a pretty clear idea of what, especially the Bruins are going to be doing for, uh, you know, who's being protected and what have you. Yeah. So the Bruins are not in a position like the wild where you got to buy out players and the Bruins are actually in a very good position when it comes to the expansion draft. The only big uh, decision is really Frederick versus Richie because we know they're probably going to do seven, three, one protection list. I think it's a given that they protect Pasternak. They protect Martian. They protect Bergeron. uh, They protect Smith coil. Now it comes down to those last two spots and the real contenders for it in our eyes would probably what DeBrusque, Frederick and Richie for those final two spots. Yep. I think DeBrusque is, a, you got to protect DeBrusque because again, we've said that we said this at the deadline, you trade DeBrusque uh, and he goes somewhere, you know, he's going to produce, you just, you know, it's going to happen, but you'd still rather that happen than lose him in the expansion draft for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I'm... I mean, do you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's just that's like a popular one you see brought up is is moving on from DeBrusque. And, you know, you make the argument like, oh, you save money doing that. It's like, well, you'd also save money if you traded him for an actual useful piece or maybe he's back next year and he scores 20 goals like the out of the three options of keeping him, trading him for an asset or letting him walk for nothing. Like take a step back and, and evaluate those options, which one makes the most sense. Like that's just piss poor asset management if you if you just let him go for nothing and like i understand people are maybe frustrated by his game or just want him out of there but you got to be pragmatic about this of how to handle these assets if you are intent on moving him because if you let him walk for nothing and he scores 25 goals congrats you're the next florida panthers letting riley smith walk for nothing like and we're all we're gonna hear is how you let let him walk for nothing congrats on saving the the three million in cap space that you would have saved if you had brought in another guy in a trade so the Bruins yeah. basically let uh, Riley Smith walk for nothing as well <laughs> it's true yeah so do you want to have it happen again exactly so uh yeah in terms of DeBrus I think that's a, a no-brainer that he gets he gets protected I think uh if he if he walks it's uh just a tough hit because again you could get something from him on the market I don't know what it is I don't know what his value is it's not as high as it was 
in years past, but um, no, he's still a guy that you can still get something for, which is a lot better than letting him walk for absolutely nothing. Also, unless he's packaged in a deal for something better, you're not getting a ton for DeBrusque at the moment. His value's very low. It's as low as it's ever been. I mean, again, like I think DeBrusque for Ekholm might have made sense last offseason. Like, I don't think people have been like, oh my God, the Predators are getting screwed. Now you couldn't, I mean, that would never, you couldn't do that. Um, so I do think that if they want to hold on to DeBrusque and bring him back for another year and try to get his value raised or just get something out of him, I'm not completely opposed to that. Um, if you can save money and get something that you think is going to be better, do it. Uh, if you can package him for someone better, <laughs> like I go, <cool. laughs> do it. But if it's for, you know, if you're just trading him to trade him or you're letting him walk to Seattle, it, it just, you're, you have, you do have some, some value there. You just have to figure out how to best allocate it. Then it comes down to the final spot, Frederick or Richie, who do you prefer? Yeah, that one, that one is a little bit tougher. Like, cause I, I think regardless of who they protect or don't protect up front, I still think it's going to be a defenseman that they target because it just makes a lot more sense. But um, I feel like I'd be more inclined to protect Frederick just because I don't think Seattle's going to take Richie. And if they do take him, then it's one of those situations like, well, did you want to be the team that pays him his next contract? Because I think that's a legitimate question to ask is, you know, if the Bruins are totally revamping that third line and they're moving on from, you know, whether it's moving one of those guys and you have Richie to get taken off your hands, you bring back DeBrusque, or if you want to move both Richie and DeBrusque and completely overhaul that third line, this is one step to do it where a team like Seattle just takes them off your hands and they're the team that pays him that next contract, which like I'm kind of nervous about what his next contract's going to be just because, I mean, he scored a new career high in goals, but I don't know. Like gauging Richie is, is always tough because like, you know, I think what do we, what did we give him a B minus C plus in our grades? Like it's one of those guys those where, two. yeah, I, I think it was one of those seasons where like, you know, you look at the production and it makes sense, but you look at that, the eye test out there. It's like, you still kind of wanted more. So if you leave Richie unprotected and the Kraken don't take him, you know, that, that's totally fine. You, then you go next and see what his next contract is or what you want to do with him. But if they do take him, you know, then you won, you get to keep one of these young uh, defensemen that you can use for depth on the blue line, or, uh, you know, you kind of move on and you have Richie off the books and you get to, you know, save the money to then use towards revamping the rest of your third line. So at this point, I'm looking more at Frederick, but that one's a bit of a, a, a tough call because I could see the argument for the other way as well. Yeah, I also think Frederick's just a former first-round pick. There's there's some value there. He hasn't hit his ceiling in the NHL yet. If you really wanted to use Frederick uh, in a deal for someone better, I think Frederick gets you more than Richie ever would because Richie's a little bit more established. You know what you're getting out of Richie. There's a chance Frederick becomes a 30-point getter, 40-point getter. I mean, we've I, I said this to you um, one of the recent episodes that I, I you know, for oh, when we were talking about Frederick uh, re-signing here, like, it wouldn't, it's not crazy to want some more offense out of Frederick everywhere he's gone. He's produced. So you expect something. So it wouldn't be surprising to see Frederick maybe turn in some more offense than Richie could. Um, and even then the fact that that's even a possibility is enough to, to get something better in a trade than you might for Richie. So for me, it's Frederick. I, I just think that again, I don't know if you really want to be protecting Nick Richie, you know? And again, as you said, I don't think Seattle's going to take him on D it's pretty clear who the three are uh, McAvoy, Carlo and John Moore. No. Of course. Ha ha ha. Uh, I'm going to clip this. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like when you gave uh, Bergeron like an F, you know, we'll yes. take that out. And, uh, but yeah, McAvoy, Carlo, Grizzlick are the three. 
Um, which then leads to who does Seattle take? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's as expected, it's going to come down to probably Lozon or uh, Clifton, which I think probably from the Bruins perspective, they would probably, I, I don't know. It, it's tough because I think they really do like Lozon. I feel like Clif- losing Clifton is a bit of a tougher hit because I think he could have stepped in to be that third pairing right shot guy. So if you lose him, you probably have to go out on the free agent market and whether it's getting a guy like Hockenpah or some other third pairing guy. So um, regardless of who they take, it's it definitely going to be a hit for the brooms in terms of maybe just from the outlook of just overall depth on the blue line, because even if Jeremy Lozon isn't a top pairing guy, you know, he's still a guy that if he's a third pairing option, you let him develop more you know, you could do a whole lot worse, right? Like there's, he's still like a, a solid piece for this team. So losing him is tough, but in terms of how the Bruins are equipped to handle this draft, they're in a lot better shape than a lot more teams that not only is you don't have to go through the hoops of, you know, buying out guys or trading guys ahead of it to, to set aside protection slots. But if you lose Lozon or you lose, um, or, or you lose Clifton, at least you can go out in free agency and shore up those holes quickly, whether it's Hawk and power, or if you lose lows on, you look for another third pairing guy. If, you know, if McCabe is a guy you target as a third pairing option, it's pretty good. So, you know, they have ways to move on from it, but it, it just obviously stinks when you, you lose a, a homegrown kind of developed player like that, but such as, such as the price you pay when you bring a new team in. Yeah, and I also think, again, like, both are replaceable. But I think Clifton stings a little more just because when he's at his best, it's probably a little bit better yeah. than Lozon. Just offensively, just the Cliffy hockey experience, I think, again, uh, has worked well here thus far. Not as consistent as maybe the Bruins would want. Uh, but I, I think they end up taking Clifton. I just have a hunch. I feel like that's – this is just a higher ceiling with him. Um, but, again, who knows? I mean, maybe they could take someone off the board. Maybe they could take Zaboral. Maybe they take Jacobs Borrell. Who knows? Chris, Curtis Lazar. Uh, Curtis Lazar, yeah. Uh, but anyways, or Chris Wagner. Mm. Um, it's funny. I just saw a tweet. It was funny. Uh, they said, um, it's so funny that Ryan Suter, this thing happens a day after the Oilers go in for Duncan and Keith. Like, that's just very Edmonton. Because Suter obviously would have fit a thousand times better than Keith. And you wouldn't have to give up anything to get him. Yep. Perfect. Good just job. perfect. I'm sure Connor McDavid's thrilled. Oh, yes. Lucky. The best video is that one of McDavid. I think it was when he was in the OHL walking to the locker room. And he just screams like, fuck. Like yes. he's walking to the locker room. That's always used on any move the Oilers make. Just just tremendous. Um, speaking of losing things to Seattle, the biggest loss the Bruins may have had to Seattle might not have even been player-wise. They lost Jay Leach to Seattle. Jay Leach becoming an assistant with the Kraken. Talk about a big promotion. You go to Seattle, new franchise, the Kraken, exciting. Leach, obviously... Very good coach down in Providence. Um, and this is a guy who I see as a potential head coach down the line at some point. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, uh, that, I mean, it's a tough loss for the Bruins, especially when you look at just now they've got two vacancies to shore up, whether it's down in Providence, which is obviously key because in years past, that was kind of the regular pipeline, right? It's, you know, head coach at Providence, make the jump up to an assistant coach at the NHL level. Then if you, you know, are looking for a new head coach, it's usually internal. That's how the Bruins have done it with Bruce Cassidy, obviously. So um, yeah, losing a guy like J- like Leach is a-, a tough hit for the Bruins. Um, not only because one, you'd think he'd be the logical replacement for uh, Pandolfo where he's also gone, but you also lose a-, a homegrown, you know, coaching talent that, you know, if the Bruins ever moved on from Cassidy, 
he'd kind of be the, you would imagine he'd be the next man up. I mean, you look at his track record in Providence, his, you know, players have obviously spoken very highly of him. The the management staff has obviously said a lot of good things about him. Um, so for the Bruins perspective, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough loss. Like good for, for Leash for getting that opportunity. I think, you know, it's more than well-deserved. It's uh, for the Bruins though. It's now you've got two key pieces of your coaching staff and now you have to shore up because, one is the the guy you look to identify that could be the next best thing, which is kind of what Leach developed into during his time in Providence. But now you also have a guy on the NHL roster where you need someone else to help out with the the forwards and the power play, which is kind of what Pandolfo did. What about David Quinn? Makes sense. I don't know if he still wants to, you know, it's, you know, you know, you wonder if he's looking for other jobs, you know, for, for coaching wise, but it makes a lot of sense, man. Like assistant coach, come back to new England, uh, you know, where he fits in pretty well. I could see it happening. John Tortorella? Yes, torts. Get torts on the assist. Oh, my God, that would go over so poorly, so bad. You have Cassidy, who who's very open with the media, speaks very kindly to the media, and you have Tortorella, like, bombing in in the press conference. It's like, no, 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 no this is what I want to say. What about John Tortorella as Providence head coach? Like, he's just down in the – he just takes a year off, goes to the AHL. That would be the most attention an AHL team has ever gotten. Yeah. And that would be so, so great for player development. What was, Mm. who was the uh, forward uh, the Rangers had when they played the Bruins in 2013? I think it was Hagelin. Um, Someone asked him about the power play and why he doesn't put Hagelin on the power play. And Tortorella basically was like, well, he sucks on the power play. He stinks. He stinks on the power play. He stinks. He's awful. It's like, geez. And they went and hired, and they hired Vigneault after Tortorella left. That was a tremendous hire. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's all the Bruins news this week. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them be in on Suter very soon. Wouldn't be surprised to see the rumors and and, and the uh, you know the Bruins are in deep talks with Ryan Suter. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. But again, there's a lot of other teams that have the same kind of need, so it might become a bidding war. Uh, anyways, that is Puck Bear episode 52 for this week. Connor, uh, before we go, what can people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we're gonna obviously be writing about this uh, this Ryan Suter news and why he's a good fit for the Bruins. Which the more I think I think about it, probably more you think about it. Makes plenty of sense uh, for the Bruins, so we'll have stuff on that. We'll uh, have our final, you know, mock draft for the Kraken draft. Um, considering that, we'll probably have a good idea of where the people are going to be going uh, starting by this weekend. So all that will be over at BSJ. So subscribe to BostonSportsJournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three. Do that. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about the Ryan Suter stuff uh, in the NBA. There's one uh, reporter. I'm not going to say the name because I I don't really. He's never going to hear it, but I don't want to rag on him or anything. But um, there's a reporter who always tweets out whenever there's a guy who's bought out or there's a free agent or something, he'll tweet out, you know, a team is potent, could be potent, you know, mm-hmm. source team could potentially maybe talking about be interested in said player. And people always reply like, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not sense. surprised. It makes yeah. sense, but that's not really something that like a source would tell you. So it's always, I, you maybe see it with Suter. Like Bruins could consider. So highly, source, source highly consider. motivated to explore possible avenues with Ryan Suter. I think we're thinking of the Report. same person. Um, anyways, uh, that is Poke the Bear episode 52. Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, you Bruins, you Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day.